Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Today, I sit down with our guest, Mark Anthony. So Mark has built a seven-figure business for himself in the online space, and that is only one of his online businesses. He actually has multiple online businesses and streams of income that he does on the internet. He travels the world almost every single month, which we definitely talk about in this episode But we also chat about what it was like starting his business from his apartment, which was actually in the back of a garage, eating ramen noodles just out of necessity and essentially spending no money, having no experience. From that, he grew a profitable eight figure business in the e-commerce space. And in this episode, he shares countless bite-sized gems and pro tips that can help you as a struggling startup owner or help you if you are getting started in the online space. Maybe you have a little bit of traction, but you don't know how to scale to that seven or eight figure mark. We talk about all of those things and so much more in this episode. So let's dive into it. Mark, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am so looking forward to having you here today. We're going to dive into quite a few different topics in the areas of work, wealth, and travel and what that has looked like for you. But before we dive in, I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey, where you started, and how you got to where you are today. Thanks. It's so great to be here, Nicole. I really like to practice what I preach, and I totally relate to that entrepreneur that, you know, has been working. They had a vision. They wanted, they know all the things they want, the travel, wealth, you know, they're proud of what they're doing and they put in all these hours. I literally, and I I don't really say this with pride anymore, but I used to, worked 40 hours by Wednesday. And the folks that didn't put in 40 hours by Wednesday, I'm like, you're a slacker. You're not going to get anywhere. And now it's like, that's like the walk of shame, in my opinion, almost. And I don't want to take away anyone who's very hardworking, and we do need to pay our dues, of course. But there are so many ways that you can either put in far fewer hours and work in a remote location or work right where you want to work and just be free to travel or spend more time with your, your children. There's so many ways you can define rich. But I used to be one of those guys who just put in such a ridiculous number of hours. And now I built teams and a really successful e-commerce business that is done with 100% remote members. And of course, I'm able to coach people and, and train them that, you know, they can do the same things for themselves. And that just, you know, lights me up while I'm doing it from some location that lights me up even more. So take us back to what it looked like in the beginning of your journey with, you know, the grinding week hours, um, but what that looks like and how long ago that was for you and what the progression into a very successful multiple businesses has looked like. So if we go way back, you know, I mean, it could, I've been an entrepreneur literally for, for decades. So if we wind back the clock, you know, 20 years, 20 years ago, I was working, had an entire floor 
in an office in Manhattan. You know, my, I took over the entire floor. I had a big team. And the more the team got bigger, the more people I was managing, the more problems I was solving for them personally, business-wise. And I, I had a phrase that I called feeding the machine. The bigger it got with the bigger overhead and so forth, the longer I had to work and the more I had to worry about everybody. Started. Then I said, wait a minute, I can use people remotely. I can create systems. And more importantly, because there's so many ways to structure your business, is I started to want to hire myself out of a job. I got that from a, another friend of mine who travels all over the world. And she hired herself out of a, of a job. And I love that. And what that means is I started to realize I call something the 70% rule. You might be doing something the best of anyone in your organization, but if you can put people in place that can do it 70% as well as you, but you could have five or 10 people doing that, people times 70, you know, is 700. That blows away even if I'm doing it perfectly. So recognize you don't have to do it the best. You want to do it really well, and you want to teach and develop other people to do it really well. The more you do that, the more you set yourself free. And how you define setting yourself free is up to each individual business owner, each individual uh, executive or, or worker. But you don't have to do it all. Things go on without you. So just build the systems that can basically allow you to do it. You got to take the time to build systems. That makes me think of two conversations I was having recently. So one was actually a previous podcast guest and we were talking about how she built this really successful online business in the coaching space. And she had a team, I think it was of seven. She ended up firing all of them except for one, reduced that one person's hour and made more than double the revenue in her business. And that makes me think of exactly what you said because it can be so... Not that I've had or have a team of seven, um, but to actually manage the people and the questions and the things that come up and the problems, it can be very time consuming when that time could definitely be better spent elsewhere. So I think that that is important. I think, you know, people talk about wanting to grow and scale a business, but you have to do that in a way that works best for you. And growing and scaling doesn't necessarily just mean having a bunch more people on your team because that can cause so many more problems. And that's such a beautiful insight that you just shared with your listeners, right? Bigger does not always make you more effective. What you really want to focus on is, is your efficiencies. And that really comes down to it. What is the result that you're really looking for? And the more you get clear on the result you're looking for, then you, with that clarity, and it's a big word I use when I'm coaching people, is you develop the clarity and then you think, what is most likely to get you the result that you've become clear on? And a lot of the time, there's 50 things we get involved in. But of those 50, only 10 of the things really move the needle significantly. So spend your time on that 80%. That's actually that 20% that gets you 80% of the results. And all of a sudden, you just start cutting away a whole lot of fat. More importantly, you cut away a whole lot of stress and moving parts. I completely agree. And it's interesting to hear that from you as well, somebody who has experienced that firsthand. So walk me through what it looked like and the time frame, kind of all of the things surrounding scaling your business. Was that in the last few years since COVID? Has that been happening for quite some time? What has 
creating a very successful million dollar business look like? I've been practicing for quite a while now. So I, I've had a seven and an eight figure business for I'd say at least 10 years now at this point. So I was doing this way before COVID. And so there were several different evolutions to it. The first to really just grow and scale was noticing which actions or which things needed to be put in place that would really create growth in the business. So we got very clear on who we wanted to serve, how we could create duplicatable revenue and service from those people. So a lot of people get stuck on, we got to get more clients, we got to get more clients. That's a piece of it. But the other two elements, there's three, most people leave out. So number one, everybody wants more clients. But number two, how do you create more repeatable business with the people that you're serving? All of a sudden, that eliminates a lot of the work. Then what can we do to add even more value to those people that would allow us to increase the average transaction size? You do all three of those things at the same time. More customers at a higher transaction value repeating business with you more often, and you are exponentially growing your business. So that really moved me out of the six-figure category and into the seven and eight-figure category. So that was the first evolution. Now, once that's taking place, I was working a lot of hours. Let's not forget that, okay? It did not, it was, easy is never one of the words that I use, but it's quite doable. So then I started to see where was my time going to? And instead of me being attached to my ego, and how great I felt doing everything perfectly, I then applied that 70% rule that I was mentioning. And that was having other people implement things. And what I really needed to start doing to really make it where I wasn't stressing about me doing it or who else would do it, I actually had everything turned into a process. I mean, everything. And what that meant was, oh, whatever someone was working on, I had someone else take notes on everything that they did. And we got these really detailed directions. And with really detailed directions, we could hand them off to somebody else. And if the directions were good, they could then do it also. That created more scalability while not being reliant on any one individual. I was talking to someone earlier today that doesn't want to take this advice. And we were talking about having a meeting. They're like, oh, I'm swamped. I'm swamped. I can't do the meeting till after hours because one of my staff people is out. And so I'm covering for them. I'm like, but you have other staff people that should be able to cover for that, for that person instead of you. They didn't want to hear that. And look, that person loves what they do. They love their role in the business. But I point out to them, you're doing this by choice. When you are stuck in the business, you are choosing to be stuck in the business if you are not creating processes and finding ways to duplicate yourself. And it's okay to do that. You might love it, but recognize it's a choice. And I think that's really important too, is to create kind of like the SOPs, the standard operating procedures, those detailed instructions around every task, because especially I'm sure you've experienced this when you get to a certain level, you can have anybody doing the job. They just need to be somebody who is teachable and who is trainable, but it's up to you to create those systems and what that looks like so that 
they are properly informed on your expectations. I'm going to add in, in holding the team accountable to using those systems and getting you know, consistent results. And when, when you start to do that, you, you really create things. And like in, in my book, Join the Seven Figure Club, one of the big key pieces we talk about is creating processes. When we outline, what do you need to do to be able to create a process? You know, that's the piece that it's not just writing it up because you could write it up and have bad directions. You got a process, you're creating really good directions and holding people accountable to that. But when you get clear on that for yourself, you start to open yourself for defining what you want your life to look like. So this, this was a very interesting conversation about the team aspect of things. Now, I'm curious, what are some of your top ways that somebody can get clients into their business, customers, clients, whatever that looks like, if you have a very low or potentially no marketing budget? Fantastic. And you can do a lot of this from a remote location. I want to emphasize that as well. Okay. But again, it's, you can define a lifestyle, but work in your local area and just be free to travel a lot. So there's lots of ways we can do that. But how do you get those clients that you have the choice and the budget to travel and grow and scale? My number one personal favorite, because I really love people, is going to local networking events. Go to a local networking event. There's chamber of commerce meetings. There's Kiwanis Club meetings. Rotary is very much about the local community. It's not strictly about networking, but more about giving and, and sharing and contributing. So finding local organizations, networking events, where you meet great business people, you find that you have things in common. And when you're just chatting with people, you attract the right types of clients. You're there to give rather than to get. And I do believe that, you know, the giver is the one who actually winds up gaining literally. So come from a good space like that. So networking is by far one of my favorite. But when you're really taking really good care of people, you get referrals. And I bet everyone who's listening has gotten referrals because there's certain clients who like you. But there's a way to get way more referrals. And that's simply by asking people that you're serving for a referral. And then they might not be able to think of anyone right at the moment, but you know what you do? On a different day, you ask them again. So networking, referrals, two really beautiful ways to get a great foundation of clients coming in. I was coaching someone just the other day and they were talking about yesterday to be specific. And they were like, how many, they think they need like a hundreds of clients to be at millions of dollars. I said, what would 10 clients do for you? They were like, well, that would give me like $100,000 a year. I'm like, okay, great. Where is it that you actually want to be living? They wanted to be living remotely in South America. By the way, on $10,000 a year, oh, I'm sorry, $10,000 a month, you are living better than someone who's making $40,000 a year in New York and LA and San Francisco. So they were like, oh my goodness, really? And then we got them to redefine what was possible. They realized, wait a minute, from going to networking events, from getting some referrals, they were able to get 10 clients that would give them that $100,000 a year or more. And then they had from that money that they could then use to do other things to continue to scale the business. But so many of us overcomplicated with big fancy ad funnels and Facebook ads and Instagram ads, all great tools. Again, if you realize what you want and you start from that, you can reverse it backwards. And, and one of my favorite 
phrases is, you know, start setting yourself free. So what are the thoughts on overcomplicating? I was having a conversation recently with somebody about this exact topic. And for me, you know, there's experts in the click funnels and the ads and the this and the that and like all the fancy things that we I think increasingly in the online space, having been online for the last three years and increasingly more in the future, people want to sell online. And so they're an expert in one thing, let's say the click funnels and being sold and targeted why you need them, why your business won't operate without them. And so what is your thought process on just really, and maybe you've previously shared it a little bit, but I want to dive into it a little bit deeper on just keeping things as simple as possible within business that could be maybe only when starting out or maybe when continuing to scale and grow to that 100k 1 million mark there's a couple of different elements of this and so I, one of the coaching phrases i use all the time is you really have great clarity so you know the result that you want you know, do you want does your business need to do a million dollars does it need to do 10 million dollars or if you had a hundred thousand dollars in revenues coming in and it was almost all profit, let's call it, you know, 8,500, and that gave you 100,000 a year. And that gave you more than enough income to live really well. Start with that clarity. So if that's the case where people overcomplicate it is you might only need one or two ways to bring in sales and you don't need a lot of fancy processes to manage, you know, 10 or 20 clients. Now, growing a business to eight figures didn't happen with only one marketing channel. You know, in my SEO, I used that to fuel e-commerce. Plus, I used paid ads. Plus, I used email marketing. But that, where I avoided overcomplicating is I started in the e-commerce business with putting in a paid ad strategy. That got really good roots. I had people in place that were good at that. Then I said, let's develop the SEO. I had an admin in the office who was creative. So I had her working on doing all the repeat work by putting together the email newsletters. So you could have multiple layers, but when you have specific people assigned to it and you stack them on top of each other, then you're not overcomplicating it. When you suddenly say, I know nothing about Instagram ads, and I got to start using those. But then I also got to add in TikTok also. And you still haven't figured out Facebook. And then someone tells you you need to have a funnel and you don't even know what a funnel is. Your head just wants to explode. You get overwhelmed. Your efficiency goes way down because you're doing a bunch of things rather average or below average. Get really good in a couple of solid spots. Let's call it two. So you have a little diversity and build out from there. But you got to be a master in some spots. Redefining rich. What does that look like for you? And what does that look like within your business and personal life as well? That, that was a real game changer for me. And so a lot of everybody says like they need to make, you know, these big numbers. And I actually learned this from someone who, you know, I had coached, they were so successful in so many areas of marketing and advertising. And yet while they were busy going on to fancy golf clubs and, you know, going on, you know, these major conferences and it was really prestigious who they were with, they were missing their kids, recitals, ball games, and so forth. 
So I started to say, well, you actually spend, you know, you can go to your kid's game and spend a thousand or two thousand dollars going to your kid's game, or you could spend a thousand dollars for these great seats with a client. So why don't you just see it as going to your kid's game? It's just going to cost you a thousand dollars, you know, but you get this experience. Your kid, your children are only six or eight for that year. You know, if you have a child that's in high school and they're on the high school football team and they make the varsity team, there's probably only two seasons that they get to do that. So that means there's probably 16 home games that you can go to and that's it. So is missing that more important than the, than some, so you got to define what, what matters to you? What is living life richly define that for you? For some people, it's going to the world's fanciest restaurants. For someone else, it's being able to go to just a regular restaurant, but with their entire family. So again, it's nice to have all of the above and all of the choices. But sometimes when we say yes to one thing, we actually have to say no to something else. And you got to get real honest about what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. I know people who are great at working out and they say no to sleeping till eight o'clock in the morning because they get up early to get that run in while they have the time to and get their workout in. So you got to be recognizing what you're doing. And the more you get honest about that, the more you can define ways of how you want to live and, and what being rich for you means. It's a publication I personally love that was a game changer for me called International Living. And what that turned me on to was the fact that you could live in all these other parts of the world. Great for like $2,500 a month. I even asked clients from other parts of the world if that was true. And they said, yes. I was like, oh, wait a minute. So once I realized that choosing to live in the New York area and to be out on the West Coast costing multiples of that. I was choosing to do that. Now, thankfully, I had the business success to do that and be really comfortable and still travel. But once I realized that I was doing what I was doing totally by choice because I love it, it set me free. I realized I was working when I worked, where I worked, how I worked, because I chose to. And when you realize you're doing what you want to do by choice, it's another level of really starting to see how you define being rich. And, you know, I have other clients. This is like one of my favorite topics is, you know, they only can like take, they take one lavish trip a year. I mean, it's over the top in fancy places. And I'm like, well, I'd rather make a little less money and go on 12 trips a year, one every month. My, my definition of what works. No right, no wrong. You know, someone else just loves being at the Ritz-Carlton and they love being at the Four Seasons. You know, I'd rather have less stress and travel more. Okay, my definition, but it's right for whatever's right for you. I think that is so important to really define what success also outside of your business looks like for you as well. And how can you achieve that and work towards those goals? For me, that looked like moving to China six years ago. And if I hadn't have taken that first step, I wouldn't be here where I am today. And you do need to start taking the steps though. You know, and that's, that's a huge thing. As you were saying that, you reminded me of, of someone I worked with uh, from Panama. And I said, oh, I heard about this, you know, could I 
live in Panama for twenty five hundred. They're like, oh, you're really nice. So I don't want to be just okay. Like I want to be really well off. Like, what if I made it five thousand a month? And like, yeah, you can rent an apartment in New York for five thousand a month, and it's not even that fancy. And he's like, I don't think you could spend that much money unless you are to be hanging out with the tourists. So you know, when we look at where we are, and you might need to be in the states, for example. Because it's just where your children are going to school or where you have family or people that you're caring for. But just recognize that you have choices. And when you know you have choices, again, that's that phrase I said before, you're free. And then you define how you want to live life on your terms. And uh, another piece you know, on, on this topic is build your life, not your business. Uh, your business is a business is a part of your life. So you want to Create your business to support your life, to be a part of your life. You're not just building only one separate entity, which is your business. It's build your life first. And then the other components fuel that. You know, the business lifts you up. You don't don't spend your life trying to lift up the business. Yeah, I could not agree more with that. So on this topic, what does traveling approximately 12 times per year, what does that look like for you and how does that integrate into running a successful business? Well, it's a lot of, and I, I do a whole wide range of trips. Uh, you know, I'm going, I have a trip to the south of France set up in the next month. I also have a separate trip where I'm taking, you know, my retired parents out to travel and it's harder for them to do it. So that's a much simpler trip on a cruise. So it could be, whereas last month I was trekking up Mount Washburn in Yellowstone. Then I went to the Grand Tetons and then I, you know, supported some friends doing this event called 29029, where you're basically going up one of the mountains in Jackson Hole 19 times to make it the equivalent of doing Everest. So there's and that's like a whole endurance event. So, you know, I like the ideas of going snowmobiling, you know, out in the wilderness. Like there's so many ways you could do it. So when you do it frequently, you can create a wonderful amount of diversity to what you're doing. If you structure your business properly, you can actually still be traveling and still be working because that's not to say that you can't also do some trips where you're totally out of touch. I did a polar bear expedition that had really bad internet access. So we had to plan accordingly. Set up team members, have specific results that you want those people to achieve, and then have specific drivers that you're benchmarking them on for performance. And when you have everyone held accountable, that and that's one of the biggest things I teach is creating sets of drivers that make your team accountable. And if your team's accountable, that starts letting you become more free. Too many entrepreneurs get sucked in to patching everything up for their team. And then all of a sudden they're the fixer instead of a person who's free. Ooh, I like that because that is so true. It's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, the fixing, because it's it's your business, it's your baby. So I really like that. So what are a few actionable tips that you would give to somebody who is looking to start a lifestyle and a business that they are passionate in that involves frequent travel and that they need to balance having fun on the road, but also maintaining and managing and growing a business? When you're looking at a type of, so look at the type of business that you want to start. Is it a business where you could have 
one of several things. First, can you have clients that are recurring? If you have a business with clients that are recurring, what that allows you to do is not have to continually chase getting new clients. So you have an established business, then you might realize with say 10 clients, 30 clients, depending on how you structure that, you can be consulting with them or you can just be watching what they're doing and buying that's being provided by other staff members. So that's one of the things that's really important is not having to always stress about getting new business. Another big piece is looking at what are you doing to make the staff be independent of you. So you could build a business with a team and set that team up to be independent. That gives you a lot of freedom. Otherwise, if you truly want to not be managing a number of other people, you need to be able to get fewer and fewer moving parts. The amount of businesses that you can do from a remote location have grown tremendously. But sometimes we think we need to do it. Even if you wanted uh, selling widgets, maybe it's pottery made by a particular culture. Those folks making the pottery might be so happy if they had someone who could be getting their pottery sold for them. So instead, you're not really in the pottery business. You're in the marketing business. And then your e-commerce website could be selling that connections to just have that pottery shipped to them. I worked with someone who made who didn't make chimneys, but they found chimneys in South America. They would bring them up and just get them sold here through a channel that they put in place. And they just loved going all around different parts of South America, finding chimneys, helping people sell way more than they could have on their own. And it became a win that they actually felt very passionate about and felt like they really made a difference in some other communities. So that really tells me you got to find stuff that you love. On this point, don't pick something where you're chasing the money. Pick something that you're truly connected to and you want to be talking to people about. When you're doing that, you're working from your heart and just the money starts to flow when you really are being genuine. Thank you for sharing so much about what your business journey has looked like, how that can look for some others who are getting started or starting along this journey and your travel as well. So where can people find you in the online space? If you go to jointhesevenfigureclub.com and you can uh, just use the numeral seven, so jointhesevenfigureclub.com, happy to answer questions from people. Just email me and I'll, I'll do that. Or on uh, Instagram, Mark Anthony High Performance. Love being able to turn people onto this. The book talks about how to really get those that clarity on goals. It talks about how to create the accountability with your teams and the processes and so many different marketing things in between. But again, just someone has a question, please ask. Just, you know, at this stage of my career, it's a gift to be able to do that. Just reach out to me on Instagram or or just get the book and so many of the answers are there, or I'm happy to coach people one-on-one. Either way, I just want to be able to have people live the life they want. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.